0: This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald.
1: I'm Ramia Amadin and this is Kelly and Ramia.
0: Ah, glad you're hanging around with us still ladies and gentlemen. Tell you what we're doing for you. We're launching our 2 of the program. Kelly McDonald with
1: Ramia Umadhan.
0: And she's in Toronto. I'm at the home studio, London, Ontario. Blue shirt on under a grey sport coat and the fedora, of course, sitting up on top uh, on my left shoulder. CN Tower on the right, a column in behind me with the skyline of Toronto also filling out the background.
1: Mm. I like it, Kels. Uh, nice picture. I'm wearing a navy blue loose-fitting blouse, long sleeve with a little bit of flow at the end. It's kind of fun to play with. Uh, and I have my hair up in a bun today.
0: All right. Well, thank you, folks, for settling in with us. We appreciate wherever you are listening in uh, around the world, maybe through AMI-audio or at AMI.ca, or checking us out via your television as well at AMI-tv in Canada. We like to visit with our community reporters. Why? They're great people, but also because they bring cool stuff for us to talk about on the program. Today from southwestern Ontario, Annette Dennis. She's uh, in London, Ontario, but around her, a hub of activity, things to talk about. Annette, welcome back to the program
2: nice to be back how are you guys doing today it's
0: great. a good show wonderful guests and great topics a real variety that for us is is a lot of fun mm-hmm. when we get to talk about so much stuff on the show such as the black bonds field of uh wally mccrim i think that's how you said the name 2023
2: yeah, so this is uh, taking place. Um, it, it's running from February sixteenth through the twenty sixth at the Palace Theatre here in London, seven ten Dundas Street. Um, so this is actually a stage play by W. O. Mitchell, which that name might ring, sound very familiar for for uh, many of your viewers. Um, so over his uh, over his sixty year career, W. O. Mitchell wrote short stories, novels. Um, magazine articles radio and television plays stage plays and film scripts and uh so this is the i think one of the most popular ones of his nine plays the black one yeah, it of is wally mccrimmon
0: yeah yeah um, so McCrimmon, actually, that's how you say it yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, sitting, I couldn't you remember almost
2: have to say it with a little bit of a it's mac so is that scottish yeah. i don't know uh, scottish yeah, irish I so yeah that? Um, But it was actually, I I did a bit of digging, and it was actually originally written as a radio play in 1951, and then it later was produced for television by CBC in 1965, Mm -hmm. and then from that moment on, it's been staged um, as a production all across Canada over the years, so it's, um, and I think it was at the Grand in 2004, so it's kind of cool that it's coming back to London, Yeah, yeah.
0: Because I think Palace has done it before, and I, I'm sure you're right. I think the Grand did back quite a while ago. Um, quite a few and, years and it, ago, yeah. And I remember that that CBC did it as well as, as a TV show, and uh, I certainly don't have it in my old radio show collection as a radio show, but uh, tremendous stuff. I, I, I think that's wonderful. And what a way to see something live on uh, as a stage play more than living on as a TV show or radio show.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I had no idea um, that you know i remember reading his uh who is it who has seen the wind um uh, yes, back I in think high so. school yeah, yeah and i had no idea that the the breadth and, and scope of, of his you know in broadcasting and everything like that um, do you want me to do a quick quick rundown of what the plays about or sure, yes please, please. Okay, okay, so when Wally McCrimmon, um, he's a shoemaker in 1930s foothills um, in Alberta, a place called Wild Rose, he muses aloud that he would love uh, to skip his curling team in the back then it was called the McDonald Briar. Um, the devil, who is a traveling salesman um, who deals in wholesale souls and retail sin, uh, suddenly appears and makes him an offer that he can't refuse. He makes a counter offer and then it ends up being this basically um the what's called the black bond spiel. So it sounds like it's quite quite the funny little ordeal and you know it, next to hockey, you know, when you think of winter sports in Canada, you think of curling. So yeah.
0: And you're excited to see how he beats the devil.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah, for sure. Cool. Enough. Awesome.
2: We'll yeah, so if folks mm-hmm. yeah so the, they can go to the website and get tickets or call the box office um, and they have if the folks want to check out the website they have some wonderful shows uh, for the rest of this season at the palace uh, a wide variety of really interesting fun shows um, to check out if, you, if that's something you're into And again, it's at um, palacetheater.ca uh,
1: Great and all the details that you provided we will put up on the blog as well ami.ca/ Kelly Co. And moving on to the 2023 Tim Hortons Briar at the Budweiser Gardens in London.
2: Yeah, so this was a great segue for uh from the first yes. topic. So this is <laughs> yeah, so this is taking place um from March 3rd to the 12th here in London at Budweiser Gardens, like you said. Um, and tickets, um, you can get tickets to to just like one um oh gosh, one <laughs> I can't think of the word, but just one uh, game for $23 or folks can get weekend weekday passes from 69 and you can get them in person um, at the Budweiser Gardens box office or online. Um, yeah. So this is basically, this is something that, you know, if you're in the area, it'd be fun to check out if that's something you'd like to see live. Although obviously it will be, um, if people go to the website, they can um, access it online and, and watch for the schedule and, and, you know, the programming for there. Um,
0: curling's best at this right
2: yeah this is the best yeah. that
0: we have to offer in curlers in canada like you want to see good curling yeah. um and and london has supported it really well in the past
2: what is Yeah, it have like? been very 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 fortunate yeah to hide. They were here a couple of years ago so yeah so for the, those who don't know uh for those who aren't but this is basically the top um top men's uh, teams from across canada come together um and play to and they'll play against um the current team team Canada. So basically it's the men's and then from there they go on to the world, uh, championship. So it's a kind of a a really fun, um, I'm very competitive. And then of course with curling, um, there's always the, the fun stuff after where you get together and talk curling, uh, eat and drink. And there will be, um, there is a place set up where they call it, um,
0: I think it's uh, a tent. Oh don't they do it outside? Like yeah, they, um... yeah, where they you
2: can go and you can meet your you know meet the players, get autographs, box nice. talk yeah, shop. So yeah, yeah and they really last time did
0: really great stuff at it. That was through the week, and you could go down yeah. and and then you could try different things. And I think I think within the arena for the the tournament itself, there's I think four sheets, maybe three. Um, I I don't don't I, correct me if I'm I mean Annette, I remember just looking at it on TV. Uh, and yeah. it, it becomes quite. You know, an experience and a city like London. Uh, I've been really proud how it turns out because a lot of time we're accused of not being so supportive, but there are so <laughs> many events surrounding these things. It's 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 just beautiful.
2: Yeah, absolutely. They have a at the RBC um, RBC Place, which is within walking distance um, from where they're going to be playing at Budweiser Gardens. That's where they're going to be set up, and they have food, drink, and entertainment in the evening. And I think there's actually going to be a shuttle um, going back and forth during the day. So. Um, you know, you can if you don't want to go home in between games or you just want to hang out, there's always that too. Um, yeah. and for more information, folks, can go to curling.ca and 2023 Briar tickets. Okay. And or yeah. you can and call the, the ben Weiser Gardens for more information.
1: What's and the attendance what usually like? Go for that. You know
2: what? I don't know, but I think the last it was here, but the last time I was here, I think it was like really it was a really successful event. But as far as numbers, I haven't come across that.
0: Uh, again it depends on the games of course and the time of day but i think for their top games they were getting about eight to ten thousand in there
1: that's amazing because the way you guys describe it it almost sounds like you know a backyard barbecue like just very chill (laughs) like you know everyone's hanging out and chatting and talking and eating and drinking well, they're intense
0: in, in the arena for the games, mm-hmm. but outside and around. Also, curlers, um, you know, they're going to be a little more accessible to the fans. That's what it like. And sounds I think like. that's a beautiful thing. And that is always nice because all the curlers out there, the, the aspiring curlers, want to go and ask questions and, and learn yeah. and, you know, how they can throw better, how they can, you know, do whatever it might be. And how do I get closer to the button? Um <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think last time they did events like that where they were interacting and doing a little bit of of, um, how the game works and learning. I I didn't come across that, but I'm pretty sure that you're right. They did that last time and folks could come and interact. And Hmm. It's fun when you watch um, on TV and then you can do it in person.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that's the thing, especially if you watch, then go down and see. And yes. some of the games, as you said, Annette, are extremely affordable. Um, Maybe the ones earlier in the day and stuff like that. Plus, they have the, you know, little shows and stuff like that in some, of the, some places. And I don't know if they're doing it now with us on the heels of the pandemic, but I believe they even had music shows. Just everything associated, everything in town became, you know, briar. Uh, let's grab your Celebrating yeah. uh, Natural Connections family day event.
2: Yeah, so I can't believe Family Day is coming up soon. So this is taking place Monday, February 20th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, and this is at the Fanshawe Conservation Area, which is 1424 Clark Road here in London. Um, so the kind of a the theme or behind this is basically they're taking this opportunity to celebrate uh, Natural Connections events um, to commemorate uh, continuing efforts of the frontline workers during the pandemic. Um And, you know, continuing on now as we work our way through it and basically um, how we kind of connected into learn to appreciate, I think, natural spaces and getting out in nature for our mental health during, you know, during the difficult time. So Mm -hmm. I kind of like how they're tying this into family day so you can come out with your friends and family of all ages and they have tons of things like it'll be jam-packed for those who who choose to go it's they have tons of things to do and there's a lot of different organizations in around london that are going to be there participating and offering up um you know what their organizations can bring to the table so yeah
1: yeah let's um, not make it just a phase you know that we were going out and enjoying nature let's make it real well, exactly, and it's a wonderful exactly. place
0: to do so especially in february especially if they do well i mean they're not going to do like the pancakes thing or anything like that but a lot of places have those events to get people out get the meeting but it's such a wonderful place to walk through even the pioneer village there's just so much for a family to take in out there uh the, the, it's a wonderful resource for the city of london this is great it? oh absolutely
2: do you want me to run down a few of the things that'll Quickly,
0: be there yeah some- please okay
2: they're yeah. going to be beaver tails okay that's front and foremost um there's going to be uh, bird feeding birds of prey will be there there'll be a show for that um button making um trail walks community arts drumming circle um nature walks um gosh a, a horse-drawn car- uh, wagon rise as well um indoor crafts uh, mystery artifacts that you can dig up from the 1800s wow. the museum of wow. archaeology I'm going to
0: have to stop you there stop. because there's yeah. a, there is so many it's so great. Thanks Annette, wonderful wonderful report.
2: Okay, talk to you soon guys, take care
0: That's Family Day at Fanshawe Park, folks check that out. Uh, you can go to mi.ca slash kellyco to pick up anything that our community reporters speak about here on the program. Coming up next Dog Guide of Canada is running what they're called a, the Share the Love Auction. Devin Wilkins is here in a moment to tell us all about it. We'll be right back after this break. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. From the home studio, London, Ontario, Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthin. She is at the studio in Toronto as we bring you Kelly and Ramya for your Monday edition. Remember, we're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. Thanks a lot for hanging out with us. And so many things, Ramya, when you start adding it up and and we get asked this question, hey, what from yesterday's show, guys, can we use for a best of? And we do the best of Saturdays and uh, and Sundays um, from the program. Do check that out on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. But I can never remember. I have to say, hey, Jeff Ryman, tell us what yesterday's show contained. And it's not because I don't remember the content. I may rem- mess up the day, di- but there's so much great stuff we get to learn about, and uh, today is no different.
1: Oh, I was going to focus on the first part, which is I don't remember the content. We're always working backwards, presently, and forwards on the show, right? There's there's things to <laughs> add into tomorrow's and next week's and next month's shows, and then what we're working on today and all the people we're talking to and all the people we've spoken to, you know, at least six people uh, from the previous show, let alone six times five for the previous week, so... Remembering content can be difficult too.
0: (laughs) Yep, it sure can, boy.
1: Well, there's always something memorable to talk about when we check in with Devin Wilkins for our Guide Dog and Service Animal Report.
3: Do you have a soft spot for dogs with jobs? I'm Devin Wilkins, here with the latest news from the world of guide and service dogs.
1: sometimes it's not great memorable, but sometimes it is. Uh, Let's start with your first topic, which is an invitation to the EVA Airways Accessibility Consultation Webinar.
3: Yeah. Um, Hi, folks. Uh Um, This this is uh, definitely a a time-sensitive invitation uh, because... This is a registration deadline for tomorrow. Okay. Yes, there is uh, an air carrier called uh, EVA. um, And uh, they're working on developing an accessibility plan uh, seeking to identify, remove and prevent barriers for uh, people who are traveling um, with uh, guide and service dogs and also in their general operations uh, for the airline and the deadline to register is uh, February 15th and uh, but if you're unable to attend but still want to participate all you have to do is send uh, an email to uh, eva cares at evaairline.com. And uh, you can um, confirm your attendance by registering uh, by 3 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow or um, 6 p.m. Eastern time on February 15th. Now, I have to admit that I don't know very much about this air carrier. And where it goes, and all of that sort of stuff. But they'll be discussing everything from um, possible accessibility uh, problems when uh, trying to uh, book a uh, a trip, uh, all the way through to boarding, and all of that sort of uh, thing. So they they want you to um, to register for the uh, webinar, which is going to be taking place on March 1st, by the way. Okay. And before before that, you'll be receiving a discussion paper between tomorrow and March 1st so that uh, you'll be able to uh, follow along with um, uh, whatever questions they have. If this anything.
0: Nice. I think, I feel it is.
3: Yeah. Sorry, I was
1: just going to say that, if anything, even if we don't know too much about EVA, about what their plans are, what answers and uh, discussion points they'll have for us, it'll be a good comparison, right, into Mm -hmm. the major airlines we do know about and how they Uh, handle guidance service hours, for for better or worse. I mean,
0: uh, yeah, well, and, and I think, Devin, if you get somebody putting it out there, we'd like to hear from you. Somebody has some interest, whether it's just mm-hmm. to look good or somebody in the family that has a disability and somebody who spearheads this is leading this saying in the company, we need to do stuff like this, or there's a sincerity. So you have to believe there's a sincerity that is a positive. I feel whether some people want to say, ah, oh, they're just going through the motions, but the showing up on our part is so crucial. Show up, show the numbers, even if it's only so they say, oh, my goodness, that many disabled people want to travel?
3: Yeah, and right from the beginning, I'm glad that they're uh, including participation from people right at the beginning of the process. That, to me, also shows sincerity. Yes.
1: Very proactive. Yeah. Yeah. And they're giving you all these things to uh, you know, check out even before the actual webinar, which means there's lots of prep work that you can do to bring all your best questions forward. Mm-hmm.
0: That's right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Challenge them uh-huh. a little. Cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, not, not like some of the other instances we've seen where it's just, you know, yeah, get everything together, all your thoughts, write them down and send them to us this afternoon. Um, yeah. yeah, <laughs> You know, we've seen that. We've seen that. And that's just, uh, you know, that we know that never works. Um, it has come to light that more than half the money raised to the puppies uh, for CNIB guide dogs is being spent on fundraising. and. There has been a recent pattern where we've seen CNIB in the news and these accusations are out
3: there. Yeah. um, In January, uh, a watchdog organization, uh, pardon the pun, watchdog, uh, broke the news that uh, it was called uh, Charity Intelligence uh, Canada, uh, broke the news that uh, CNIB was spending more than a uh, half of their donations in 2021 on uh, fundraising. And I think we'll all remember when those um, TV ads about the uh, furry puppies uh, rolling over and over uh, appeared on television. But um, CNIB's um, chief Operating uh, officer Angela Bonfanti uh, said that the money that they received is used more uh, for more than just the uh, puppies on uh, TV. And, uh, you know, it's used for things like um, getting uh, uh, phones to um, make it possible for people to use the best uh, technology as far as iPhones and other types of uh, smartphones is concerned and uh, also helping to find people, employment and all sorts, all of the other things that CNIB does for uh, people who are registered with them. Now, the donations that are specifically earmarked for dogs um, are uh, kept separate, um, and uh, CNIB Guide Dogs executive director or president, I guess, is what she's um, the title is um, Diane Bergerac. I did say that you have to invest money to get money, which is which is true. Uh, And um, the other uh, thing that kind of added to the crisis for uh, funds is that when the pandemic hit, uh, the applications to CNIB guide dogs increased uh, by 300%. And that had a lot to do with the fact that um, we couldn't cross the border. Right. People wanted to go get a a guide
1: dog. Yeah, there are people on like two-year waiting lists right now. Yeah. Yeah. The advertising
0: was there as well, where we never see advertising for the other guide dog schools.
1: No, that's
3: right. Yeah.
1: And that's an apples-to-apples comparison. I was also wondering about how many other organizations, not just blindness organizations, not just CNIB direct comparisons, but other organizations not-for-profits utilize... Their percentage of money towards advertising. You know what I mean? Like, is yeah. this is this so much of a shocker? Is the real question because if we think about other uh, charities that we donate to, or charities that knock on our doors, or organizations where you know you're you're given uh, email notifications left and right on fundraising, you know, is that so different from what CNIB is doing and being? Yeah.
0: The word is of the money that comes in sixteen percent, uh, six half of fifty one percent. Excuse mm-hmm. me, it goes to advertising. You've got to advertise. I, I know we see some organizations a little bit more out there and prominent, and they must be using that budget. Um, I, I think transparency has to happen because we see that how That's much probably the money deeper is used. I, yeah. I think so like you know like people don't mind donating but if you're leading them to believe most of that money is going to guide dogs versus bone yeah. it forward which is really important for a lot of people oh, and, and 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 all their other programs you know we have a lot of volunteers out there with CNIB that are are really helping a lot of the programs go through but they need support. The programs need support. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes people may get the idea or soon get the idea that you know, Guide Dogs is CNIB and there's a lot more to CNIB.
1: Oh, way more. Look Guide Dogs is the infancy program with oh, yes. CNIB right now. It's the newest thing uh, that they're they're investing into offering and, and working on, really. Like it's, yeah. it's such beginning stages. So 100%, if you think that your money is going into <laughs> CNIB only for the Guide Dog program... That's incorrect. And, and and there are going yeah. to be people
0: that that is what they're going to do. I want this money, as you said, Devin, earmarked for, for guide dogs. Mm-hmm. And that generally is going to get. So you, you're going to have to be transparent. You're going yeah. to have to give the, the same love to the other things that you do, because a lot of members in the community need these other programs. Phone it forward. A phone for a lot of people in our community is an absolute vital piece of equipment. Yes. Not just a toy, <laughs> not just what It's vital.
1: Devin, as as usual, we've spent uh, like several minutes ranting on this, but I really want to get this last piece in before you go. Just prior to the fundraising walk in May, Dog Guides of Canada, I think I got there, yes, Dog Guides of Canada is running the Share the Love auction. Tell us about this before you go.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, The auction uh, is running from the uh, 6th of February to the 24th of the month. And uh, some of the donations that they've already received uh, include artwork, attraction passes, restaurant gift cards, uh, a Fitbit, and an air fryer. And uh, they're looking for other things like um, trips, um, uh, hotel stays, uh, and, and that anything that doesn't cost a whole lot to ship. And if you want more information, uh, then send an email to um, Jen Boyd at events uh, at dogguides.ca. Events at dogguides.ca. Dog and um, that's going to happen from the uh, 6th to the, the 24th. So... Time is wasted.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. And this is one of the ones that annual, right? Yes, that's right. Okay. okay. Yeah. So there's probably a lot of familiar returning people to help out with the um, initiative.
3: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. Okay, that's awesome. Is February feeling busy for guide dog um, stuff? Yeah, it does seem uh, to be um, uh, a little bit um Uh, But some of the weather can be unpredictable. So Mm -hmm. Dog Guides is also recommending that you try to find some um, indoor mental stimulation that you can do with your dog uh, to keep them interested and engaged and active and that sort of thing.
1: So true, Devin. Always something important to think about during the winter. Thank you for your report. We'll check back with you in May, uh, March Oh, good. I was afraid. Happy Valentine's Valentine's to you. Devin Wilkins joining us with her Guide Dog Service Animal Report. That is monthly on the second Monday of the month.
0: Make the poor woman feel like she's being punished. We'll see you in May. Long M month. Up
1: next, folks.
0: Some unhoused people are living in encampments
1: in city parks, but
0: not everybody is happy with the situation. Danielle McLaughlin dives into this topic on Know Your Rights right after this. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Rumya return in a minute. Keeping you in touch. That's what we try to do here on the program, bringing you all sorts of relevant information. The show's just uh, full of it, as well as opinion, rumya. It's always kind of nice to get people's different opinions.
1: You know, Gosh, I guess yeah. that's
0: the way the world rolls, right?
1: And we know that when something's brought on this show you've been forewarned that we will go off on tangents Yeah, yeah and, and, you I mean know, opinions know,
0: Yeah, that's it exactly, always <laughs> just opinions You know, you just have to maybe go get another coffee or something like sure. that We should be done by the time you get Make back Take some time off, yeah We also learn a lot on the program. Uh, Ramya and Kelly here with you folks, and thank you for being with us on your uh, Monday afternoon. Uh, At this time, we always get into discussions and learn a little bit about our rights out there. Let's welcome in Danielle McLaughlin.
4: Did you know that everyone has rights? No matter who we are, we all qualify. But what happens when freedoms collide? The answers are rarely simple, but always interesting. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, to talk about civil liberties and human rights on Know Your Rights.
0: Danielle, beautiful winter day. Toronto has lots of stuff going on, uh, especially on the political field there. But we have a topic that a lot of our politicians, when it comes to the municipal level, have really been discussing and really having to face what are we going to do. How are we going to help and support people out there? The warm days are wonderful. Winter can be very rough, especially for people who are homeless. Somehow unhoused uh, people are living in encampments in city parks. I think of the one here in London down by the river and the big concerns as the water, as the melt goes, get those people away from the water. But these people saying, listen, man, this is a comfortable place. This is where I live. Um, Not everyone, of course, is happy with the situation uh, as it stands now. Danielle, do people in Canada have a right to housing?
4: Well, you know, Kelly, that is a really interesting question. The answer just off the top is no. Nowhere in our charter, for example, does it say you have a right to housing. But Section 7 of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms says everyone has the right to life, liberty, and security of the person. Now, Mm -hmm. if you take a look at how you stay safe, security of the person, one of the primary things is you need shelter. Um, So some people have said, well, you can read into that right of of Section 7 that you must have to have a right to housing or a right to shelter. Um, And other people have said, no, all that uh, section says is that the government can't take away your rights to life, liberty, and security of the person. So it's a very complicated question, and we're going to be looking at a couple of cases where that so-called right is involved, and where actually courts have decided on opposite sides of that particular question. But one of the things that I think we need to look at is who is it living in encampments in the public parks or or in um, other similar areas. And one of the things that we will see is that many of the people living in those communities have disabilities um, or they are otherwise members of disadvantaged communities. So some people have said, you know, whether we have a right to housing or we don't have a right to housing, it's an act of discrimination to tell people they can't live in, say, tent communities or, or in encampments. Do you think it is? What's your opinion on that?
0: Um, I hear the number in London of 1,900 of people living on the streets or in these encampments. Yeah, I, I know, and Danielle, I think where I hesitate is obviously it's a concern to me for all 1,900, um, even those And there are people out there who are comfortable, as I learned in Toronto. They enjoy their living down by the Humber River, um, or excuse me, in the Don Valley. Uh, I I get that concern for people's safety, hearing about them being robbed and injured, or not being able to sleep, being addicted because they got to keep awake, um, and and cold, just not to mention freezing to death. In fact, that's right. Or or, or
4: encountering illnesses um, because it's you know it's just not. A healthy yeah. uh situation not not being able to get access to the kind of health care that the rest of us hope we have access uh, to and you now know. you're
0: including those people who are living in their car because they've lost their house They these are people right. who before the pandemic had their home had their life mm-hmm. and and now due to things costs and everything like that are about to lose the car they sleep in. So it, it has really changed who is on the street as well. But it definitely that pattern of persons with disabilities out there, marginalized people is huge. And I would love yeah. to say, yeah, what? why is this not a, a right to be housed? Exactly. But like you said, the right is to be safe. And if that's the underlying score to get people in homes, that's what we have to use. Well, yeah.
4: we do need to get people in homes homes. The, the questions that come before the court seem to turn in in some of the cases between a positive right and a negative right now what mm. on earth does that mean and does it make yeah. any difference anyway right so a positive right is something that um you have in other words you have the right to life uh, that's that's a positive right And the government does not have the right to take it away from you, except under very specific circumstances or liberty or security of the person. So a negative right is a right to be protected from somebody taking away your right. Um, And these kinds of arguments get so um, arcane in the courts that you start losing track Of what's really being argued, in in Mm -hmm. my opinion. Well, go, sorry, Romeo, did you say something? No, continue. I I do want to weigh in, but go ahead. Yes. So in British Columbia, there were some homeless people who were living in two, um, like two encampments in public parks. And they argued that the city. Uh, could not take away their right to life, liberty, and security of the person by removing the encampments. The city made assertions. Now, an assertion is where you say something, but you have no actual evidence to prove what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So they claimed, the city did, this, the city of Prince George in this case, that homeless encampments were dangerous, that they scared people out of the parks who otherwise should have the right to be in the park, that they encourage, and now you'll like this one, acts of indecency. Now you think, well, what on earth is an act of indecency? Well, it turns out that if you don't provide somebody with toilet facilities, what they're going to have to do could be called an act of indecency in a public place. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have to use a toilet, only there isn't one. Right. So... So the people living in the encampments made suggestions. They said, uh, "City, how about you put in some uh, toilet facilities? Uh, how about you make it make um, medical care available to us? How about you uh, make sure that we are safe living in our encampments?" And the court listened to that argument and. This is kind of interesting, in, in my opinion. The court said, we can't tell the city what to do. It's oh, very, wow. Oh, w- since right? when? Yeah. So they basically, I mean, they, in this particular case, they said, well, because of COVID and because there is a clear lack of housing uh, facilities for the people living in, in these encampments, we're going to let them stay. We're not going to allow the city to take away their uh their encampment or their their community but we can't tell the city that your suggestions like setting up johnny on the spots for example or providing food um we can't tell the city to make those things available to you but we can tell the city not to take away your encampment, so there's your positive right and your negative yeah. right.
0: Right. Well, what's interesting, Danielle, is all you're asking is an extending of services that are That's offered right. to somebody who has a home.
4: Yes, but they've they've said, well, we don't offer those services to anybody in a public park, and therefore we're not discriminating against you because anyone who goes to a park doesn't have access to the things that you're asking for. And the court says, well, the decisions uh, that a city makes about how they provide services are made um, in with democratic process. So a court really wants to pay deference to a city um, and say, well, you know, the city will make the decisions about how it spends its money basically, or what kinds of services are provided. And if the city has decided that they don't provide services like this in a public park, we really don't have anything to say about it. So in in some ways, you could say that the court in this case is upholding democracy, strangely, um, by saying, by telling the city, well, you can't take away somebody's right to life, liberty, and security of the person, but we can't make you put in a toilet.
1: Oh, my goodness. Um,
4: Right? It feels and, very convoluted. I mean, I mean it feels it does, really like Spence
1: riding. Because, yeah, yeah that's kind of, yeah, you mentioned, you know, it feels very democratic, Danielle. To me, it's like, can somebody make a decision here? Because we're saying, you know, the city is in charge of this decision, that decision. However, yes. the rights are, when you're dealing with the rights of this person who has to, to live in a, uh, an encampment or on the streets or whatever, we yeah. have to go to court to deal with that, but the court can't enforce anything onto the city, so it's just round and around in circles. And I wonder, you know, when we expand out a little, these <laughs> people who are living on the streets because they have absolutely no other place to live, and especially if you bring yeah. in people with disabilities, um, mm-hmm. just the... Number of accessible shelters that are available in Toronto
4: are—it's it, it, ridiculous. There's not enough, it is right? Absolutely ridiculous. And in yeah. Prince George, the um, the people who complained about the, the their encampments uh, being about to be removed showed they were able to demonstrate there was no place. There to is nothing. There, there simply is, was no why. no place to go. But isn't it interesting that they had to actually prove that in order to win their case, which which they did. But they only won because the um, because of COVID, because mm-hmm. the the uh, court said, well, we can't um, force you to go into places that are unhealthy, and because, right. and the reason that there are no places for you to go was because uh, of what was happening dur- during COVID.
3: So this
4: is kind of interesting. They, they, the, you know, the B.C. courts say, no, we, we can't make the democratic decisions. The city mm-hmm. has to, you know, the, the people elected by the voters are the ones who are going to decide how that money is spent. But we can prevent you from, you know, causing people harm by forcing them out. Then there was a case in Hamilton, and there was a bylaw about to be passed and people in living in a hamilton park said pretty much the same thing what the people in bc had said which was they have the right to life liberty and security of the person and um, therefore they should be allowed to stay because if they're forced to leave um they will be harmed the Hamilton Court read it a whole different way. They said the city of Hamilton um, is treating everybody equitably. Nobody is allowed to live in the in the park, and therefore we're treating homeless people and housed people equally. And besides, they said being homeless isn't a grounds of discrimination. So the, you know, you know the the usual grounds in a human rights case will involve, um, you know, race or sex or ability or disability, uh, marital status, those sorts of grounds. And the homeless people were saying that homelessness should be considered an analogous ground, a ground similar to the other ones. And the court said, nope, because everybody is being treated equally and nobody is allowed to um, live in the park. Therefore, you complainants you lose this case that in and itself
1: we're... is interesting that is you know is? who chooses what discrimination actually feels and it, it sounds like illegally right yeah well yeah. yeah
0: i mean i get the park i mean danielle if i had wanted to do that pitch a tent and stay there the city would tell me come on move along i i understand that but in a time of absolute crisis which we've isolated it's nutty yeah. and then when you sit here and say to people, this is. The, are you kidding? People who are homeless on the street are discriminated against. One percent. Well, as some people there. have
4: said exactly, and as some people have said as well, um, yes, the rich and the poor have an equal right to starve to death. Um, but it's not going. Let's face it, that these two things are not like one another, right? You know, yes, we all have the right to, uh, you know. To, to to stay nice and warm if we can afford to pay for a place and find one. Um, so, you know, those are, no, it's kind of nonsensical. And isn't it also interesting that the people who are homeless and have clearly fewer resources than a city are the ones who have to go to court to right. fight for their rights. <laughs> exactly. That part of it exactly. is
1: definitely confusing. And it goes back to the question, why don't we have a right to housing? Because I feel well, like yeah. if we were to deal with that question, all of these other details could be dealt with in in that premise. In the majority, well, right?
0: Because yeah. you are going to have some people that choose to not be, and you do have to protect them. Whether they want to be in on the land, living on the land, you, you do have to support and have, be reasonable about it and respectful about that as you expect them to be about farmers' lands or other places they could wander on to and just not claim areas, Danielle. So I do get that. But definitely, the housing... Man, a lot of these people are telling you, please,
4: I don't care how big the space is. Help me out. Just find me shelter that, that is healthy and safe. Yes. And, and they go to court and they get these complex decisions... Which, at the end of the day, are often temporary. So, you know, during the yeah, the BC case has to do with with you know the the uh, the COVID pandemic. Will it be changed? Um, you know, if and when the pandemic ends, maybe probably we'll see. And then when you have such a similar situation in Hamilton, and the court looks at a whole different bunch of issues, you can see that it's really. Highly problematic because it's the most vulnerable people who are in these situations. Now, a right to housing is a really interesting idea. And I think that there are people who would argue that because you have the right to life, liberty, and security of the person, we should be reading in that you have the right not just to housing, but to enough money to survive. Mm-hmm. So, a place yeah. to live, food to eat clean water to enter
1: universal income or whatever these yeah, minimum and mm-hmm. we're
0: we're not looking yeah. for palaces we're not looking for money that is unjust we're looking at protective supports for people that would be appreciative and want it um well it's a really and most it's people funny.
4: do want it you know yes. i mean it's very hard to find a homeless person who says i'm living my best life You know, this is exactly what I want. I want to be sitting here on the sidewalk while the rain and snow are falling. People don't say that.
0: People robbing me and nobody is asking whenever you hear anyone for the sky.
4: Danielle, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks nice talking to you. And I guess I'll see you, I'm not Two next weeks. week, but after that.
0: Two weeks. You betcha. Two weeks from now. Danielle McLaughlin, we do Know Your Rights on Mondays here on the program. We'll step aside for a couple moments when we return. Let's see what's coming up tomorrow on Now with Dave Brown with Paul Daniel. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the end of another edition of the program. Kelly McDonald, Rumya Muth, and your hosts. And we'd like to remind you, if you missed any part of the show, check out the Kelly and Rumya podcast, use your favorite podcatcher, and just simply subscribe. While you're in there, maybe give us a rating and review. Segments to talk about today, Rumya. the floor is yours.
1: Oh, my. Okay, well, the one that's stuck in my head, really, is our tech talk with Michael Babcock. He spoke of 11 labs uh, where the system will... Create a voice that sounds very similarly to yours. We can't say exactly the same because there are you know some minute differences if you listen carefully. But he talked about that, and we just went through a, a whole bunch of conversation there around creating and the mm-hmm. scare of creating voices that sound so human and so like other people, you know identity wise
0: um post segment, Michael sent us what it sounded like,
1: yeah, what and the even heck? down to
0: the room noise
1: sounds exactly um, like him.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's that where you would believe, and if somebody called so you believable. on the phone, yeah. it's so, so believable. Yeah. So, uh, wonderful segment, uh, talking talking to Michael, really great. Danielle McLaughlin, folks, know you're right, people living in encampments, and this is such a conversation we have had. It's not a new subject. It's interesting over the years how the subject has changed, and you know, looking at people's rights and freedoms that we brag so much about in in this country. But when we're at a time where this stuff has become rampant, where people are in danger and always have been um, for sure, but it's front and center. And we have the means in a country like this, as we often say that people shouldn't go hungry and that people should have housing of some form from people who are not demanding a palace. So a real interesting conversation I found, Romeo, with her. So we, mm-hmm. we suggest people check that out via the podcast. And of course, we got pretty excited and a little stirred up when, when these conversations. Danielle does it to us all the time. Often. Blango. Oh, so
1: mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm.
0: Often joining us to tell us what's coming up on Now at Day Brown. Paul Daniel, one of the producers over there. Hello, sir. How are you?
4: Happy week. Hey, Kelly. On tomorrow's show, we'll speak with Dr. Lawrence Lampty from Holland Bloorview Kids Re- Rehab Center in Toronto on his research regarding intersectionality of childhood disability and racial identity in Canada. He's also the inaugural scientist on the under under the uh, Holland Bloorview's initial uh, program called Embark to try to encourage more uh, researchers from racialized groups to, be, to provide mm-hmm. their own research. So mm-hmm. this is a, right. an interesting step forward. Elizabeth Moeller, our community reporter in Toronto, will give us her recollections on our recent vacation she had in the Dominican Republic. And it's Tuesday, so we'll have our weekly news quiz with the triumphant return of Karen McGee and the guest contestants, Mike Ross, and from marketing department, Janice Davison-Presick. Awesome. Sounds great,
0: Paul. Good luck to all the contestants tomorrow, uh, fresh faces and all. And thank you, sir. Appreciate the information. Take care, Kelly. Paul Daniel, one of the producers now at Dave Brown. Their program available as a podcast if you want to catch up on episodes. Also on the air at 9 a.m. in the morning, right on AMI-TV. Check them out. Uh, Tomorrow we'll be back here beginning at 2 p.m. Eastern on on AMI-audio. Yeah, Ramya, I think that when we settle back and and look at uh, some of the topics we've had on today's show, we were commenting earlier on the variety, that's really our moniker every day here.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i wanted to shout out our guide dog report with devin wilkins as well it's a hard job putting together one report a month and i guess annette dennis as well and our other community reporters do the same thing uh where they try to squeeze in as much content and happenings and events as possible in their localities and in the specific subject matter and bring it on once a month so shout out to you guys and
0: our once-a-week people always supply a lot of great information. Example, ladies and gentlemen, mushrooms can not only supply great flavor in dishes, but they can also provide us lots of health benefits. We get into this conversation tomorrow with our nutritionist, Julie, Julia Carantius on the program.
1: Doctor Danielle Johnkind is celebrating Valentine's Day tomorrow. She's going to tell us everything that she loves about her job. I hope we're a part of it.
0: <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Hey, that weekly couple of moments with us, man, that's got to be on the list. That's powerful. Rum, enjoy the night.
1: Thank you. You too.
0: Folks, I'm waving at you. Take care of yourself. We're back here tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern. I got one of those reminders the other day about time. You know, I got a call from a friend that I haven't spoke to in a number of years that I've known for a good part of my life. And we of course caught up and then got talking about things that i kind of forget with not having him around he doesn't know for good example and i'm sure most of you out there are saying ah like accessibility on the iphone yeah that was the number one thing we we off the top Of, of course you go back to people you both know and all that stuff and oh yeah that guy oh that person i haven't gee wonder how they're doing Um, but one of the things that just, again, drove it home as to how fast things are moving, and that includes our accessibility. And again, we are always going to put up the argument as fast as they move, they sometimes feel like we're going backwards, away from it, because things to make things simpler for somebody may not work so well in accommodating another accessibility need. We know that Apple when they do their changes and and this is what accessibility teams why they're so crucial as we try to think about Twitter those of us who love it and think hey those guys are gone and hopefully to be reinstated at some point but I digress Um, we think about the overall having different people on those teams that speak to the different disabilities and early enough catch the problems having testers out there like Michael who can say hey hold it Yeah, this is a great improvement for, but for, it may compromise. And I was talking to my friend about this stuff and the ease, the things that, you know, once again, reminding him, you know, him, hey, man, look how far things have come. Oh, that's fantastic. And, you know, you get that, oh, that's fantastic for people who really don't really get it, don't relate. He's pretty good at understanding that stuff. But I think it's more of a reminder for yours truly. All these things that 10 years ago weren't there. 15 years, 20, hell, five years ago. And it's that reminder of not just we're moving forward, we're getting accessibility, it's part of the package now, it comes with it in the box, but we also have the advocates that are sitting there as actual legitimate teams where 10 years ago, we can't afford to have an accessibility team, what's wrong with you? So uh, it was nice to get that, thought and actually boast last night about the accessibility and the freedoms
3: the walrus is canada's conversation and you're invited to take part download ami's voices of the walrus where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine available wherever you download your ami podcasts